Thanks for joining us for the Abide Message Series. Let's prepare our hearts for what God has for us today, and please give a warm welcome to Dr. Derry Long. Hey, good morning. My name is Derry. It's great to see you on this spectacular day outside. So, uh, you know, we're going to try to try to preach for about 22 minutes. Anyone want to wave a hanky at 22 minutes? Got any takers on that? So, oh, and I'm a promise keeper. So, you know, I thought I'd wear another suit jacket because I don't know, have anywhere to wear them. But I did wear my, uh, I did wear my tennis shoes. So uh, you'll notice these. These are called, uh, for those of you who are not hip, these are called chucks. <laughs> I just found that out this morning. <laughs> to me, they're, they were Converse, uh, you know. Converse tennis shoes in the 60s. By the way, if you keep things long enough, they get trendy. So like 48 years, I don't know, I don't know why I had these for 48 years, but nevertheless, I wore them last in 1968, which was uh, the last year I played basketball in high school. And uh, really, all they are, like when I go to a sports shop today, I just kind of chuckled, because all these are is a slab of rubber with some canvas glued to it. And uh, they're a little more, little more stylish nowadays. But uh, anyway, they remind me of good days, so I thought I'd just wear them today and uh, have fun about that. So good to see you. We are in the second part of a of a message on how to live with a Sabbath. The words in the New Testament and Old about a Sabbath and rest and abide isn't about a day. It's actually about a rhythm of life and how to live in that rhythm so that the best things in our life can happen. Now, we can choose to live other ways, like I wrote down for myself this week, the faster I go, the more I miss. You'd think it'd be the other way around. You'd think, man, if I go fast enough, I can just experience this and this and this and this and this. Actually, the faster I go, when I reflect back, I think, I missed this and this and this and this and this. Like, you notice how much quicker it is to get to Billings now that the speed limit's 80? I mean, I mean it just seems like I'm just, just, just soaring along. Now, I'm there in no time. Well, I suppose that's all right on in an interstate, but in life, if you don't want to miss things about your spouse and where they're at and how they're functioning, or where your children are at, or where your career is at, or what people are saying. Do you ever come into the presence of people and just allow yourself to settle and ask yourself, now in the presence of this person who has a spirit, and I have a spirit, what am I feeling? Or are we just, hey, how you doing? And we don't even quiet ourselves enough to be able to tell in our spirit how they are doing. I don't mean like, that suddenly I know every detail of their life. I mean, I mean, you can tell. You ever gone to somebody's house and realized, though not a word was said, that they had to have been fighting before you got there? You're like, eh, this is not comfortable. They're saying all the right words. 
They're not actually shooting daggers with their eyes at one another, but you, you know. What, what do you think that is? Because they are spirit, and we are spirit, and we can tell something. But, you know, I can live fast enough so that those are, those are barely speed bumps. I, can, I barely notice them because I'm not paying attention. So the faster I go, the more I miss. Dallas Willard was a uh, professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California. He was also a believer. By the way, as a side note, men and women of faith have an enormous voice in the philosophical landscape of America. An enormous influence in the world of philosophy of men and women who are of faith. Dallas Willard said this, Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Statement number three, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. Number four, a statement about goals. First Timothy chapter one, verse seven. For the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So with that backdrop, let's have a look at some of the scripture that, is our, uh, that we are considering this in the shadow of. First from Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And then Exodus chapter 16, verses 4 and 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you, and the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. That is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And then Exodus chapter 20 Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor manservant or maidservant, nor animals or aliens within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. So, um, really, now I think John had uh, a triangle and a half. Really, a triangle and two-thirds, because they had the triangle, which was the, which was the tent, but he was only missing the bottom line on the mountain. So, uh, that, that was a good job. We're going to work with one more triangle uh, this morning in order just to help us remember what the Sabbath is about. Rest. Rest isn't simply a ceasing from every activity. It's a disposition of my soul. And rest has three goals. The first is about me. The second 
is about him. And the third is about them. First, it's about me. It's about you and me and our staying healthy. The Bible says the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, you know what's intuitive to those of us who are fallen, which would be like close to 100% of everyone in this room? We tend to make work out of anything God tells us. That's, that's, our, that's our nature. We're going to make work out of everything God tells us. And so, for example, there was a group in the New Testament called the Pharisees. And whenever the Pharisees took a law or a word from God, they expanded it into a complex system of behavior that became work. So they took the admonition in the Ten Commandments to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Don't work. Move away from common labor. Now here's where they ended up. In their system, it actually became a violation of the law If you drug a chair across a room because there might be dirt on the floor and in dragging the chair you created a furrow which would be plowing, therefore you would be working. Now lest we look at that askance and say how foolish could they be, I'll tell you that for much of my life spiritual endeavor No matter what God told me, I turned it into work. I don't mean by work that there was that there should be no level of of uh, energy put into the word, but there work where it was toil. And Sabbath is a way of reminding ourselves of God's grace, not turning it into work. Jesus said, "Come unto me, all you who labor." And are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your soul. In the early days of my Christian life, when I looked around at the level of how Christians generally created work out of everything God said, I began to conclude why. Would I want to be a Christian with the the rare exception of missing heaven? Because it was just constant toil. So the Sabbath is a rhythm to my life where rest exists. Then it's for him. The Bible says Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Matthew chapter 12. Now that happens... That happens in a context where Jesus was walking with the disciples and they were going through a field and some of the disciples stopped as they walked through the field and they broke off they broke off some of the grain and they you know and they ate it. Well the Pharisees said, "Ah, they're 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 harvesting." Jesus said, "I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm over this." Anne Hutchinson was a Bible teacher in colonial America. 
She created in her Bible teaching a series of lessons on the grace of God. She was reprimanded by the Puritans for her dismissing of the laws of God by virtue of the fact that she was teaching on the grace of God and was banished from the colony. We are back to making it work. Well, this is about him. Meeting him and knowing that he is over the Sabbath. And then it's for others. Now, I'm in a line of work where it's e- it was easy for me to defend any ig- ignoring of a Sabbath rhythm because the stuff I did was holy. Well, people have needs. And how could my wife or children think that in the midst of needs, that I would actually say, well, no, I, I can't come today because... I'm doing something with my children. So there was a man who ran a ministry in a large city downtown, what in the old days we called a skid row mission. But he had promised his son, because he was a hard workaholic, he promised his son that on a given day they were going to go fishing. The son went to school and told his friends that they were going to go fishing. He began to save up money from his lawn mowing so he could buy some additional fishing gear. He looked forward to that day and that morning he got up extra early and he had all of his stuff together. His father was getting ready and you know the phone rang. There was some immediate need at the mission downtown. The son heard the father say, well, I'll be right there. And he left the house. The son sat around hoping that his father would return soon. And his father did not return soon, and finally it became obvious that his father was not going to come back in time for them to have that fishing trip. When the son moped around at dinner, making it obvious by his body language how fundamentally and powerfully disappointed he was in his father not keeping his word, his father said, what's upsetting you? The mother said, well, you did promise to go fishing. Now, at this point, the father could respond in a way that addressed the broken spirit of his son. But he did what Christian leaders have done for centuries. He rose up in his spirit, deified his behavior, told his son he was out of line because after all God's work comes first I find that disgusting to blame God to blame God for our own workaholism our own ability never to detach when I grew up, my, my father wasn't a Christian, but he took Sunday off. And we'd go down to the, the river, down to Missouri, the Missouri, and my dad would get a fishing pole ready, and he would throw it in the water, and because we were fishing in North Dakota, he would take a nap. <laughs> and then he would pull out his uh, wet gear, and we'd go home. My mom would make a little picnic first, and we'd have this little picnic, and... Now, I don't mean to be harsh about this, 
But we are the most independent country in the world, and we are the greatest workers in the world. And because of that, we don't always see our flaws. Entire continents have had to change their work culture because our productivity is so high, nobody else can compete. There are real upsides to that. And there are real downsides to that. And so, the Sabbath rhythm is for me and for him and for others. Jesus healed the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath because it was for others as well. So let's look quickly as we finish up. Yeah, already, the word finish up, isn't that nice? Let's look quickly as we finish up the four additional benefits of having a Sabbath in your life. Number one, it reminds us, or number five in the entire list, but number one in the, today, it reminds us of the Lord's provision. When the children of Israel were out in the wilderness, God didn't want them to have to gather up manna on the, on the Sabbath, and so he gave them twice as much the day before. And it reminds us, the Bible says, every good gift comes from him. While we work hard and we see productivity, fundamentally, if there's something good in my life, it's because God has put it there or allowed it to be there, and there should be gratitude that rises up in my heart. Of all people in the world, when I watched last night on the news and saw that ship roll over with all those refugees trying to find a place where their family was not in danger, Dozens of them drowned. I thought of all people in the world, we ought to be grateful. We ought to live with such a profound, how did I get so lucky that I got to be born in the United States with the provision that is, that is ours and the opportunity that is ours and the po- potential to bless the world that is ours and to live without gratitude Seems to me a a sad thing. Second, it makes us conscious of our spiritual nature. Why do we take communion? The Bible says, here he gives us these physical things. The bread and the wine. He says, do this in remembrance. Because in this earth, this physical world that we are bound to, we forget the spiritual realities because we are so taken up with the material realities which we can see and feel. Why do we have baptism? Because baptism is itself another physical reality. Why in the Old Testament, again and again, when God showed up afterwards and he said, now, now listen, build an altar. Take a bunch of rocks and build something that reminds you of what I did in this place. Those can be great reminders, especially if you go back to them and you take your family back to them. On this Memorial Day, I was sitting here as John was talking Remembering of living in England for a year, and during that time I went to Cambridge. In Cambridge, just across from King's College, there is a pub, and on the ceiling of that pub, airmen had burned their names and their initials into the ceiling 
before they would go out to the plains and fly into, into Europe and carry on World War II. And outside of the edge of Cambridge is an American cemetery of American servicemen. That cemetery is maintained by the English. And walking, walking along all of those headstones, those physical reminders of what someone did. That was a powerful event for me. I've never forgotten the feeling of that event. The Sabbath makes us conscious of our spiritual nature. It's a tool for faith building. It's a tool for faith building. Here, let me give you just four little words. Truth must be lived. Truth lived. In order to be real, because only lived truth requires faith. So you and I can swap around truth all we want. But until it enters like Jesus and the incarnation, until truth enters the physical world, it is not real to me. However objectively real it might be, truth, to be real, must be lived because only as it's lived does it require faith. And finally, it makes relationship a priority. Makes relationship a priority. I, uh, I was thinking about my dad recently who died a few years ago. You know, my, my greatest memory of my father is playing catch in the front yard. That simple an event. He'd always wear a catcher's mitt and I'd wear a normal glove and uh, we'd go play baseball. We didn't even play baseball. We'd just play catch. That's the thing I miss most about my dad. That relational event where he and I played catch. So in two weeks, my son Nathan will be coming home from China. And uh, he comes a week before his wife because they work at two schools to get out at different times. And he'll be bringing Camden. And it really doesn't matter what's going on in my life every day now. Every day I think about in two weeks, what's going to happen in two weeks. Little Camden, who is three. And when we Skype, if the screen comes up, and if one of us isn't on, like the screen comes up, and Marcy's holding the computer, and the first thing Camden will say is, where's Grandpa? And if I'm holding the computer, he says, where's Grandma? The first thing he says. I like how that feels. You and I can live so fast that we forget that that's what we're missing in the course of things. So let's finish with this thought. Two men went to, two men went to church. And the one said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this other guy. And then he listed all the laws. So this is the kind of guy you'd have liked for your neighbor. He behaved himself. His dog didn't bark in the middle of the night. <laughs> and, uh, you know. When the first guy got done, the other guy spoke and he said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
Now, you and I get a choice, even as we leave this morning. We can leave here one of two ways. We can leave here trusting in our performance, and we have missed the point of the Sabbath. Or we can leave here trusting in the pardon that God offers. And the pardon he offers is a lot less work than the performance that my spirit often wants to rise to. Well, let's set our things aside and bow our heads and are just heads bowed in prayer and our eyes closed as we finish up. Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could come to him on the basis of the pardon through Christ, not our performance. The Sabbath is a weekly reminder that we can trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That we don't have to work it up, make the grade, that we can trust in him. And today, as we finish, you can say, Lord Jesus Christ, I have been making this work. I have been trying to earn my way, earn your favor, earn your grace. I'm tired of that. So I accept your invitation. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I open the door of my heart, and I invite you in. And I invite you to give me rest. If you want to pray a prayer like that, let's just stop for a moment with our heads bowed and you, you talk to the Lord. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.